You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Five Star Zone with Rico Beard and Howard Griffin. Welcome to another edition of the Five Star Zone. Rico Beard, Howard Griffith. Kind of giving a a wrap-up to this 2022-2023 football season in, in college. And Howard, let's just go back to the game last night. Um, wow. Uh, that's Georgia dialed in and focused. I don't think anybody was going to beat Georgia. I mean, they looked bored throughout the year, and I kept warning people, that team has another gear. They just know it's like a sprinter in the Olympics. I don't have to burn all my energy early. I'm going to wait till that final race. Howard, the final race came. I felt sorry for TCU because... Yeah, you made it to the final game, but it looked like they had it was 10-7 and then before you mm-hmm. could blink, it was what 62 to 7. Yeah, I mean, they just kind of controlled the game from, you know, the flip, the coin flip really when you start to think about it. And you know, people talk about just how physical Georgia could be at the point of attack, but you know, it was really about getting their getting their players out in space. And Stetson making plays with his legs, yeah. uh, extending plays, um, you know, just coming up with big play after big play. And you just saw really just how this roster has been constructed, just the talent that Georgia has amassed since Kirby has been there. And yeah, there's been some turnover, but he just continues to stockpile talent. And quite frankly, it's one of the reasons that, you know, Georgia's not going anywhere. No. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. No. So they continue to have outstanding recruiting classes. I thought it was fitting because whether he likes it or not, Nick Saban was doing the show for ESPN, and he's watching all of this. And Nick has to know this may be a changing of the guard. And he could not be happy watching that success that the the Georgia Bulldogs was having. Yeah, I think you look at it, and, you know, he clearly was (laughs) – not really happy about it. Um, but, you know, that's the competitor in him as well. I mean, they believe that his team should be involved. Uh, he also probably believes that, you know, with the talent that they have, you know, that it would have been a much better game had they had an opportunity to be in the playoffs. But I think as of right now, I, I don't think Alabama's going anywhere either, no. to be quite frank. But, you know, they lost some games that they had no business. I mean, they had opportunities and, and they didn't take advantage of them this year. It was really an uncharacteristic undisciplined team for Nick Saban, but they continue to stockpile talent as well. I go back, you know, I've got a couple of buddies that that coach in the NFL and, you know, they talk about going and interviewing, going through the process and interviewing players, you know, from Alabama. And they talk about the workmanlike mentality. And then they talk to the people in, in Georgia. What's the difference? What was one of the differences between Alabama and Georgia was that the Georgia guys under Kirby we're having more fun. 
And, and that was one of the reoccurring things that continued to come out of, of the, a lot of his conversations that he was having with players. And Georgia just seemed like a, a place where you could have more fun, you could be yourself. And I think that's starting to play out by the way, you know, Georgia is, is starting to win a lot of those recruiting battles. But I don't think for one minute Alabama's going anywhere. But right now, when you look at what Kirby Smart has done, um, it, it has really been remarkable and, and win back-to-back championships. You know, he he is the, the top coach in college football right now. Yeah, it's funny because I look at Alabama and the way they've watched Georgia for back-to-back years, very similar to like Ohio State and Michigan where we all kind of thought, okay, well, you got them for one year. Yep. But there's no way you're going to do this again in another year, and, and you saw it happen again, and... I mean, is it Howard? It was as simple as, you know, Georgia had seventeen five-star players, and TCU had none. It, it, am I oversimplifying things? Because it it looked like a buy-in game. It looked like a one of those early September games where it became a spring practice. I don't think Georgia punted the ball. I'll be honest with you. The only reason I stuck around to the end, I, I just wanted to see the new Ant Man trailer. That was it. Because other than that, there was nothing else to watch. There was nothing. Nothing to watch. But, but I think that's part of it, right? I think that's part of the, you know, we talked about a little bit, the, the talent that they've amassed. Uh, and, and you look at, at TCU and what TCU was able to do um, versus Michigan, I, I think kind of <coughs> gave a blueprint to, you know, what Georgia was going to be faced with. They were going to be faced with these athletic uh, linebackers who were going to be able to hit the creases. But this is an athletic offensive line that Georgia has, and they were able to come off on a lot of those uh, double teams to take, to pick up that blitz and linebacker and were able to make plays down the field. Those 50-50 balls, you know, weren't 50-50 balls when they, you know, went up to some of these receivers. And then you saw, you know, guys just running scot-free, yeah. um, you know, through the secondary. And that's the kind of <laughs> pressure that, that this Georgia – offense can put on you. You think about this. They're going to line up and play big boy football. They're going to play two tight ends, but then they're going to have those wide receivers one-on-one on the outside and right. you just don't know what to do. You try to double those guys. Now they're going to hit you with a lot of these seam routes. You saw Brock Bowers making, you know, big-time plays for him uh, down the stretch and really early in the game to really set the tempo for, for what kind of night it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, Brock Bowers really didn't do much in that Ohio State game. I thought he was hurt. And he he showed me, nah, I'm, I'm good, and you can't guard me. And NFL, I'll be there in, in another year, and I'll be a top five pick, and somebody's going to get really lucky to get that man. Speaking of NFL, Howard, yeah. you played in the league. You know, we hear about all these other quarterbacks. I, I look at Stetson Bennett. I don't – tell me why he can't be in the NFL, why he can't be a pro quarterback, because – all I see this kid do is is win. He doesn't make mistakes. He seems to be a leader. Mm-hmm. But I just don't ever hear people mention his name. But I'm thinking to myself, if you got a, you know, a fourth, fifth round pick, that to me seems worth the investment. Yeah, it's interesting, right? When you, when you look at it, you know, you talk about uh, his build. Um, you know, you'll hear people talk about he's 25 and, you know, matter of fact, I just got a text from one of my buddies. One guy's got they got Stetson Bitten, and they've got Josh Allen on the other side, both of them 25, but one of them's just finishing his fifth year in the National Football League, right? And the other one just finished winning a, a national title, his second one. But I, I think Stetson's gonna get that opportunity to play. Do do I think he'll get drafted? 
maybe, maybe not. But really? he's clearly wow. shown you that he has the leadership and the skill set um, that he can be a backup in the National Football League, at least initially. Uh, we've seen time and time again where guys that we expect to be prolific quarterbacks in the NFL not pan out for whatever reason. And then there's the other guys that, that aren't heralded at all and really step up and make plays and really contribute in the National Football League. So it's somewhere in between. It just depends on which team he goes to. But when you think about one of the arguably going to be one of the most decorated um, players ever to come out of Georgia or, you know, the SAC minus, minus, you know, going out and winning the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he's done it all. He's been the MVP of all the most important games. Exactly. That's what I just like. <clears throat> Nobody ever talks about him. And I'm just like, I, I don't get it because – all this kid does is win, and he yes. he it just seems like very methodical. He's not sexy. He doesn't have that appeal. Like, oh my god, you know the C.J. Stroud and the Bryce Young, but this kid is just well, not twenty five year old, yeah. just keeps getting done. Yeah, because somebody sent me something say, yeah, him and Lamar Jackson are the same age. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they were in the same class together, but okay. Uh, both are accomplished. I just, when I look at him, I, I I hear about every other name in there. And it was just funny just watching the Georgia players. And, yeah. I mean, it just interchanged. I mean, you know, Jalen Carter comes out the game and, and the freshman replacement takes over and they don't, they just don't miss a beat. And I guess the, the question is, when you look at the Big Ten, how does the Big Ten have to do to compete on that stage? I mean, because here, here, the funny thing is, Ohio State had it until Marvin Harrison got hurt. Yep. yep. But then, then you look. I mean, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate college football paradox. Think about this. Ohio State had Georgia beat. Harrison gets hurt. So Georgia moves on. They play TCU. TCU beats Michigan. But you would think that well, Michigan beat Ohio State. So, you know, it it your head will explode if you think too much about it. What does the Big Ten have to do? Do they need to pattern themselves after Ohio State? Because I do think Ohio State has kind of built a team for SEC type of plays and, and games and, and playing on the, the turf and, you know, playing in the playoff games. Now, it's not working in the Big Ten because they keep losing to Michigan. I don't know what the formula is to go out there and for the Big Ten to do something that Ohio State hasn't done since 2014. You know, it's really interesting. And I think this national championship game really came down to matchups. And I think that's why um, a lot of people out there would have thought that if Ohio State could have gotten past Georgia, this is the type of matchup team that, that they could have that, type, that same type of success. Um, because, you know, Georgia has... has been known. They want to line up. They want to, you know, control the line of scrimmage, beat you up, all of that stuff. But they still were able to come up with the big plays. And I think a big part of it, too, quite honestly, was the ability to run Stetson early. And, and I thought, for whatever reason, you know, Michigan didn't take advantage of that. That wasn't one of the things they wanted to do uh, was run read option early in the game. I think I thought if they ran read option, that was going to really force you know, TCU to, to try to uh, really play both the run yeah. and the quarterback, which, you know, would have been difficult, as you saw J.J. have the success he had, you know, later in that game. 
but the pressure was on. I mean, they had to pick their poison. TCU had to. And it came down to you know, a lot of times they were just picking wrong. And it didn't just, to me, was about the matchup. So you tell me, you know, yeah, Ohio State had everything you know, had set up for, for them to go out and, and be able to have a success. Couldn't finish that game. But I think even Michigan would have been set for success uh, in that game if they used the quarterback more in the run game. But those are decisions they, you know, they, they didn't want to go with. But I think both programs, to me, are ready to, to really continue to compete. I think they've proven that. If they're ready ready to compete, most people will tell you this is the most in, entertaining semis uh, that they've had since we've had this 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 setup as far as the playoffs yeah. are concerned. Because the so weird thing was, it, it used to be the semifinals was a blowout, but the national mm-hmm. title game, wow, that was the one to remember. It flopped this year. With, yeah, the two semifinals were Wow, I didn't think that the TCU Michigan could be topped until hours later mm-hmm. when Ohio State Georgia showed. No, 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 hold my beer. We could outdo yeah. that game. Last second field goal at the stroke mm-hmm. of midnight. But yeah, so so you think that you know is it just Michigan Ohio State? Anybody else in the Big Ten? Is it just simply the lack of talent that you don't have the Jimmys and the Joes to go up against the SEC? Because. Man, it, it just seems like they are still king. They, they are. I mean, there's, you can't you can't argue the point. I know, you know we up north to sit here and say, well, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, that, that's where it is. But the reality is when we talk about this each and every year when we have to defend the Big Ten, right, it, it's about winning the big games, right? And they went out and won the Rose Bowl. That was big, but that wasn't as big, obviously, as right. – being in the playoff game. So I think Penn State is getting closer. I think they're going to have a guy in the center next year that really is, is going to open up that offense. They've done a good job recruiting. They need to get those guys to, to come in next year to continue to contribute. Because the thing about this Georgia team is this still a young team. Yeah. <laughs> it's still a young team. Yeah. <laughs> they're losing the quarterback, but this is still a very talented team. So I, I do believe that Ohio State – I do believe Michigan is there. Uh, I think Penn State is right around the corner. And, and, and let's be honest, we need to start looking toward the future as well and start talking about USC being in the Big Ten Conference as well because they're, they're, that's a team that's not going anywhere. They're no. poised, I think, to take that next step as well. No, I, I do think that that probably, unlike when Nebraska came in, unlike when Penn State came into the Big Ten, I think USC is going to make a splash. The other two... They made a couple little ripples in the pool. USC's coming in full force. Uh, I don't think Lincoln Riley is just coming here to collect a paycheck. No, I think you're right. They're they're coming in here to try to get some stuff done. But yeah, I just I just look at these teams and if I'm how sleepless of the nights if you're Ryan Day of knowing you were right there of knocking yeah. off Georgia because I do believe Ohio State would have won the national title last night if that, had that field goal gone the other way. Because that's a Buckeye team I hadn't seen all year, Howard. I don't know why they waited till that game, but they did stuff where, like, I mean, the fact that C.J. Stroud finally used his legs, and I, I didn't understand that at all. All season long, I was expecting him to do it. He did it in that game. But yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're a competitor, you got to be a little sick if you're Ohio State, knowing you were one missed field goal away. that I, I don't know if it would have been 65 to 7. I mean, the fact that 
the fact that Georgia covered the over-under by themselves yeah. should mean something. But I, I do well, think that Ohio State this, would win. This, this is where it is. I mean, honestly, this is where if you want to be an elite program, you're going to con- want to consider your program to be one of the best, one of the, you know, call it top 10, it really isn't that many, but call it top eight programs in America that are expected to go out and win championships, which I believe, you know, Ohio State, Michigan are right there. I think SC is there. Obviously, Georgia, Alabama uh, are, are right there. Clemson is, is in that mix as well. The offseason is never easy. It's never going to be an offseason where, you know, it's going to be sitting whether whether they lost by 30 or whether they, you know, lost by a field goal. Right. Could have won the game. These guys, these head coaches, these programs have to go back in and, and do the self-scouting and figure out how do they get better. And, and I think, quite frankly, this is what's so great about, you know, the college football game is because now we're seeing we're, – we're going to see Ohio State have to shift gears – at the quarterback position. We know they've got the best, one of the best players in all of college football. He should be allowed to play in the National Football League, but he's not. Right. You've got Georgia in the same type of position. They have to go a different direction at the quarterback position. Alabama, same thing. I mean, now all of a sudden you look at Michigan With and JJ. JJ's coming back, right? So when you look at these programs that can win, it all, to me, starts at the quarterback position. And, you know, we don't know the names necessarily of some of the other elite programs that are out there that are that, that quarterback that we are so sure that he's that good uh, that they're going to be have a chance to compete for the title. We know they will, but who's the quarterback going to be really has to shake out in, during the spring and in the summer. But it's never going to be easy. It's always going to be sleepless nights. I don't care who you are because you're trying to win championships. And if you're a great team, there are always going to be things you'll be able to go back and look at this film. Chuck Knox, who I played for with the Rams, always talked about five affordable plays in every game that decides the outcome. And those programs will all be able to go look and find those five five plays that really slowed them down and stopped them stopped them from advancing. It was funny. You, you, br- you brought up J.J. Howard. I was going to get that to a little bit later. But mm-hmm. with Michigan, obviously, you know, Blake Corm decides he's coming back. Now, he will be rehabbing his knee. Yeah. So... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's a good thing to have Donovan Edwards to kind of pick up yeah. the slack until Blake Corm is fully ready. But we all have seen what Blake Corm can do. You bring him back, J.J. Uh, McCarthy. Mm-hmm. How much does this stunt their offseason growth knowing that their coach is looking at a, a job in the NFL? Now, I don't know if he's going to take a job, but he's actively pursuing a job in the NFL. 
it, where it seems like all the momentum is in Ann Arbor, does this slow things down? Because I got to think if, if I'm an incoming recruit, I'm a little hesitant of what did I just sign up for? And, you know, with the existing players, you know, they asked Blake Corm yesterday, you know, about Jim Harbaugh. And he's like, well, he's got to do what's best for him, which is code for I don't really know what Jim is going to do. You know, he, he's, a, he's a different type of cat. So does, does that – how much does that, does that stunt the growth and the progress that Michigan could have? Because I do think that they are on the cusp that they could be in that new category, but it seems like you need everybody, including your coach, to be fully bought in. Yeah, you, you do need all of that. But to me, this is where a, a guy like Ward Manuel really earns his chops, right? I think, and he's already proven it. Right? You you say, okay, this is what you're doing. You're taking this pay cut, and you're gonna have to earn the money back. That's that's not a that's a power move from an athletic director to make something like that happen. And you know, he he made that move. So I am I am would not be at all shocked. Well, I'm not shocked. I know that every one of these elite ads expects to lose their head coach at some point in time. And having gone through this situation already, I'm sure he is prepared with his with his short list of candidates that he would like. But I would say this. I would say that this Michigan program right now, with the way it's constructed, with the players that are in that locker room, they understand what it takes to win. And it, to me, it is getting back to, I don't know that they're there yet because we haven't seen it. We haven't seen the change. Uh, necessarily a change at the head coaching position, and then all of a sudden you start to have dominance. But Michigan should be one of those those places where it doesn't matter who the head coach is as much as the players that are in there. Because the, you, you should believe that Ward Manuel is going to be able to go out, whether it's Jim stays or whether he goes, I don't know. But he should be able to find the next great coach. Right. And I think that, that becomes the challenge. When your program is so big and, and the culture is, is right, which I believe it is, that you're able to go out and hire the next guy that's able to continue to lead, much as we watched it happen right. or have watched things happen in Ohio State. Now, they haven't won a championship, but they haven't dropped the ball No, Ryan Day uh, as head coach. They haven't dropped the ball, Howard, but I guess I look at this. With your Michigan and you're sitting on top, I, I, I expect more – five-star players in the classes. And other than Will Johnson, there haven't been any. And that's I can, that's where it seems like I don't know if it's the fact that you don't know if the coach is going to be there or not. But, man, back-to-back Big Ten, back-to-back college football playoff appearances, we saw what, like I said, what 17 five-stars looked like on one team. I, I guess maybe I just expected more. Then, yeah, like I said, Will Johnson, and you saw the impact that Will had as a true freshman. He's up and coming. He's going to be a problem for at least the next two years in the Big Ten. I just thought that they would be able to bring in more more players like that. I always thought that, like, back in from 2013 to 2015, that was D'Antonio's biggest mistake is when he was at the top, he didn't go in and grind, try to get top players. It was like, no, I'm going to use the same strategy that got me there. And I, and I just, maybe it's just me. I think that strategy has to change. Once you finally get to the upper level and you're playing against big boys, you got to yeah. do big boy type things. Yeah, I pushed back though on, on what D'Antonio did because I think with the 2016 class, 
Yeah. He went and got some dudes. No, he, you know, you're right. I stand corrected. He went and got some dudes. He went and got dudes, dudes, but those dudes were duds. No. no, you're right. They weren't fit. And I shouldn't say that. I should, I'm painting with a broad brush. You had some players that had some some situations off the field. They had characters. I don't know whether they were fit in the locker room or not, yeah. but they clearly had situations off the field that took away from their ability and their availability on the field. So I wonder, though, if Michigan has gone with the strategy of we need to make sure that, that the players fit because – that's what when I continue to hear and talk with the players, they talk about just you know how how together, how galvanized they are as a unit and as a team, uh, and what they want to accomplish. And, and they talk about in previous years, maybe it was not there. Now look, I get it. You would you would expect them to be recruiting at, at, at a higher level, probably. I guess yeah. you can make the point. You talk about more five stars, but I, I still don't know that when you talk about the way Alabama recruits, the way Georgia recruits. Uh, when you talk about the, the, the truly those top three or four teams that, that are in a lot of those recruiting battles, I mean, it's uh, it's relentless. Those guys are relentless. And, and you look at just the back offices that, that Georgia has, the back offices that Alabama now has had for, for many years, all of those things play a huge part. And the culture has to be important, and people want to be there. And I'm not saying players don't want to be in Michigan, but I, I still think you just have to continue to to, to find those players that, that just not to be able to stockpile, but you got to make sure that they're going to be a good fit for you in your program. And let's not forget, though, uh, a lot of these five stars uh, that are that are at Georgia, uh, they're they're from the south, yeah. or they're from out west. You know, it's. It's not too many guys, they do, but not too many guys that, that are those five-star talents uh, in the Midwest um, that stay in the Midwest. Or if they are, you know, you're competing against, you know, Ohio State, you're competing against Michigan, you're competing against Notre Dame yeah. for those same players. And you go south, you still have those competitions. But, you know, Georgia's hot right now. Alabama has been hot when you talk about production and guys wanting to make it to the National Football League. And that's not a knock against any of our teams here, but they've been able to do it and they've proved that they've been able to not only stockpile the talent, but be able to keep it. This year or last year was really the first year we saw sort of a, um, a large exodus out of Alabama with, with players that were leaving. Right. And it comes down to being able to, you know, obviously protect your own roster but you got to still be able to go maximize in the recruiting area. And, and if, yeah, I think it's a valid point when you look at the success that Michigan has had on the field the last two years, that it not it hasn't necessarily shown up in the recruiting rankings. So, Howard, I, I want to leave it with this. What happens now? Season's over. We're a couple mm-hmm. of months away from spring uh, practices. Yeah. What do the coaches and players, what, what what's going on in the football building throughout the big team? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think right now, you know, they're they're trying to continue to uh, get ready for the second signing day. Uh, but I think what's happening really, it's call it what it is, it's poaching other rosters, right? It's finding out who's unhappy and how you can get them to fit into your program if they they in fact um, want to make a transfer and be able to move around. And I think that's why you know you're you're going to see as you continue to move forward, you're going to be able to see teams go from the middle of the pack to, to write the mix of things. And we've already seen it uh, with USC. 
with USC. We know we're going <laughs> to throw the ball. We can go get the best receivers out there. Right. They're going to come. They're going to want to play here. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, there's a lot of rumors that they were actively recruiting, you know, guys from the Big Ten, talking about SC in that, in that matter. At least those were some of the things that were thrown out there. But, you know, you, they're trying to solidify these rosters. They're trying to, uh, if they need to, to find people that can plug in here and there, they're trying to get those guys right now and get them into your program. I think the coaches, you know, doing those self-scouts, going back and, and doing projects to figure out how they can get better, players getting ready for winter conditioning uh, and trying to get, get prepared for spring ball. Because for a lot of these programs, it's, it's going to be a big spring. You talk about Ohio State, you talk about Penn State, although there's a, it's – They've got a known commodity at quarterback right. at Penn State, which I mentioned earlier. But it's about them taking that next step. If you're Penn State, how do you get over the hump? Or how State, who's going to be the next guy in? And I still think, you know, they still have to solidify some things up front. Uh, Michigan has to continue to figure, you know, what they want to do. But we talked about this, too. They've done a, a great job once again in the portal. So I think it's going to continue to be the usual suspects. I think there are other programs that are trying to make that jump trying to get in the midst of things. But as we've talked, this is probably going to be the last year of East and West. So if you're in the West, on, on the West side, you're, you're positioning yourself and you're trying to do everything you possibly can uh, to put yourself in the best position to represent the West and have an opportunity uh, to get into that 14 playoffs, which would Look, require man. you to be able to knock off uh, one of the big guys in the East right now, Ohio State or Michigan. When I look at the West, I, I – Man, with all the coaching changes and all the transfer quarterbacks coming in, Howard, I, I still think as of right here, right now, mm -hmm. on what, the 10th of January, 2023, uh -huh. Iowa is that team. Iowa can always play defense, but now you're bringing in Kay McNamara and Eric Hall yep. and offense. Mm -hmm. Score point. I mean, if you can score 20 points, the defense can handle the rest, and yep. you can win that game – 20 to 10. It was, mm -hmm. I mean, the ironically enough, the defense had to score two points in the bowl game in order for them to win. <laughs> them bringing in and addressing the fact that, hey, we know our offense is bad, and they they shot, I thought they shot for the moon, and they, they landed some pretty big yeah. players. But, yeah, I look at what's going on in the West, but what Iowa did probably was the one that I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. that one... I look at them right now as my way too early favorite in the in the West. Yeah, and, and it's fair, right? I think you, you, who who out there is going to land or has land a quarterback who's led his team to a Big Ten championship right. or conference championship and also into the playoff? Right. right. There was only one guy out there that was available that's done it, and you know he chose Iowa. Then you get talented tight end, which will be a huge boost for them. I think they still have to continue to get better at the offensive line position. And I think if, if you, for all the things that have gone wrong in Iowa from an offensive standpoint, I personally would look at the offensive line to where the biggest drop off and fall off has been. Yeah. Uh, because that used to be an area where they were always consistent. They grew them and, on trees out there. there. Yeah, they grew them on trees. They grew corn trees and they drew offensive linemen. Corn stalks, yeah. offensive lineman trees. Mm -hmm. But some, yeah. some poison that crop. And you're right. Lately, they were always putting in an offensive guard, an offensive tackle in the NFL. And it, 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 it's like Wisconsin. It was a drop-off. And I think mm -hmm. those two teams rely heavily on their O-line. And when they failed them, 
Man, they failed them so hard and so fast that yeah, those both both of those teams ended up struggling. So, but yeah, I look at Iowa. I, I would I would probably say yeah, and until things change, if I had to pick somebody right here right now for the East, it still would be Michigan. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be for Ohio State. I know they may have a Heisman Trophy candidate in Marvin Harrison Jr., but I don't know who's throwing him the ball. So I'm going to have to wait to see on that, man. But yeah, wow. it's going to be fun. It's going to be, listen, this is going to be an interesting offseason. And you talk about it. It's, just, it's also the coaching moves that have been made over in the West, too, bringing Luke Fickle uh, to the Badgers. He's going to get that thing turned around, which is crazy to say, right? Because yeah, well, Paul Chris is done there. I think he's only lost 27 games in, in his time there, and that's a lot. I thought he won like 70-something. But right. Whatever that number is, it was an unbelievable uh, you know, percentage as far as wins are concerned. But it was it's a new day there. Luke Fickle was there, and, now, and that dude now you know what? recruit you, and coach. How are you bringing up Luke Fickle? Do you think he just basically reinvents Wisconsin, or does he try to – do maybe a hybrid of what he wants to do and what Wisconsin has always done. The reason why I ask, fans always love that new coach until you start doing new things that mm-hmm. the other coaches, whether it was Chris, whether it was any of the past Wisconsin coach, Alvarez, they didn't do it that way. Like, if he comes out there and says, spread offense, kind of like what Rich Rodriguez did at Michigan, yeah, that didn't, that didn't go over too well with the fan base. Do you think he's going to try to do a hybrid, or does he just – tear this thing down to the studs and say it's going to be a new Wisconsin. Yeah, I think when you watch them, uh, Wisconsin, particularly over the last the last year, last two years, they've been trying to get more wide open. Trying. They really have. And that was the reason for bringing Bobby Ingram in uh, to coordinate the offense. But they just, you know, they couldn't hold up with the offensive line. The quarterback wasn't playing as well as I thought. Most people thought that he needed to. So I don't think the, the Wisconsin fans are all of a sudden going to look up and see this ground and pound that they that they were accustomed to maybe four years ago. Um, they're going to see a team, I think, that's going to be wide open and be able to push the ball around the field, and, and that's what they're going to want to do. And, you know, I think the changes, what's going to be different is what you see uh, with Trestle from the defensive side because they've been so accustomed their last three defense coordinators have all been 3-4 guys. And Gary Anderson, you can say what you want as a head coach about what he did as a head coach there. I thought one of the things that was underrated that he converted those guys to a 3-4 front. And then, you know, Dave Miranda was there under that. Uh, and then you look and Jim Leonard is there. And right. they just continue uh, to, to be able to produce really good defenses. And, and that's really slowed down a little bit this past year. But that's where I think the change is going to happen, the biggest change. You're not going to necessarily see the 3-4 defense being an exclusive uh, front for this team uh, with Tressa with under center, uh, at the defense coordinator position. Howard, uh, looking forward to all the spring practices coming up soon. Yeah, it'll be fun. I love the fact that, you know, you, you get to be in the room and you get to see a little bit more. So we're going to be de- relying on you for some, some details and some insight to – because I, I have no idea. I, I still think that the road goes through Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that the Big Ten has really stepped its game up, that the bottom teams have really mm-hmm. elevated themselves oh, yeah. to to now that it's almost the upper and the middle class. And I don't really think there's a, a lower class. I don't really think yeah. there's a bottom feeder anymore. So it's going to be fun to watch, Sour. So we're going to be leaning on you in the upcoming months to tell us the scoop of what's happening at all these different camps. 
No doubt, because I'm going to definitely be making my rounds this year, uh, getting around this spring and seeing a lot of these teams. Because you're right, there's just so many storylines that are out there, new coaches, new quarterbacks. And, and I think coaching and quarterbacks is really what drives uh, any conference or any, any league and really what's important. So I can't wait to get back on here and hang out a little bit and you know talk a little football. All right. Well, for Howard Griffith, Rico Beard, thanks for watching and listening and subscribing to the Five Star Zone. Keep telling your friends. Keep helping this thing grow. We're going to give you all the latest news in the offseason, so don't go anywhere.